This is the message from Connection Community Church for Sunday, April 18th, 2017, given by Disciple Member Bill Church. Recipe for Life. So there was this couple, a uh, middle-aged couple, um, modest living, didn't get a lot of vacations, and they uh, found out recently that <clears throat> someone was going to give them a timeshare for two weeks, I believe, bless you, in Aruba, and um, so they took it. They were like, ah, this is great. I haven't had a vacation in years. Let's take it. Um, so the first thing they thought about was, who's going to wash the house while we're gone? That's two weeks. That's a long time. Um, so they, they had some uh, people that they had in mind, but they wanted, these people were meticulous, so they wanted everything to be done exactly the way, the way they needed it done. So the, the wife started writing it up, and she started with the trash. She said, trash cans go here, and on Thursdays they come down here, but only the blue ones, not the green ones. And then on uh, Friday, the green ones come down, and the blue ones stay up, and they all go back here on the side of the house, and they wrote charts and graphs and everything. <clears throat> and uh, and they had plants everywhere. They had tons of plants. They had these plants that sat in the front of the house. They had plants that sat in the sunroom. So the ones in the sunroom needed to get watered at night, and the ones in the front needed to get watered during the day. And they had four no two dogs, two cats, and a lizard. And so the two dogs, um, you know, they had to be walked several times. They had to be fed. One of them had diabetes, so it had to get shots. Um, she wrote all this down in detail, and uh, the cats were the cats, so you just they take care of themselves pretty much. And then the lizard obviously needed a special diet, and they had to take care of that on a certain times a day. Um, she wrote it all down in this book. I mean, she was meticulous. She had everything, charts, pictures, name it. And uh, she even put it in a nice binder for the people, and then the people came, uh, and they took off for Aruba, and they were gone for two weeks. The people were so grateful. They looked at this book and they were like, wow, you know, I've, we've watched houses before. We never had this much direction. I mean, this is incredible. You know, they started looking through it and they were like, this is amazing how detailed it is. And you're telling me everything by the clock and tells me exactly what time to do it, when to do it, how to do it. And <clears throat> they even started highlighting things because it was so important. So they wanted to make sure, okay, it had diabetes, had to get done at a certain time, so let's highlight that. And Actually, the wife actually memorized part of it, so she had it all memorized, and she knew exactly what it should be done and when it should be done. So, you know, a couple of days in, she, she knew. Um, and then um, they would even pray over it at the end of the night. It was so amazing. It was like they, were, they, they wanted to make sure they did this right. They wanted to show everyone how detailed this was, incredible. They had friends come over, and they went over it uh, in detail, and they showed them how much uh, love they put into this, um, this directions. Uh, it was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. And so the couple had a great vacation. You know, hadn't had a vacation probably in 10 years. They came back. They drove into their neighborhood. They looked at their driveway, and all they saw was trash everywhere. There was trash everywhere. Trash cans were tipped over. The trash bags were piled over. It was all over the place. They walked in the house. Every plant they had was dead. It was dead. It wasn't even like, you know, it was dead. Every bit of them. They walked out back, and all they saw was a pet graveyard. They saw graves for every one of their pets. They were dead. How often does that remind us of ourselves? You know, that's an extreme story. But how much are we like them, that couple that watched the house? You know, following Jesus can be difficult. There's no doubt in that. It can be messy. We strive to do the right things. Yet, we seem to fall short more than we probably succeed. Um, but today, hopefully, we're going to uh, talk about some things that will give you a bit of a recipe of character, of virtue that God's given us to help us navigate this thing we call life. My name is Bill Trench. For those of you who don't know me, I am uh, one of the lay leaders here at the church, and I uh, spend most of my time over here singing 
But um, once in a while, they let me get up here with a microphone. Um, let's pray. Holy Father, thank you so much for uh, this day. Thank you for um, giving us this opportunity to listen to you, to take you in, to absorb your word. But not just absorb it, Lord. Let's do something with it. Let's walk out of here and let's do something with our lives with it. God, help us to transform our hearts and to uh, make a difference. God, we pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. The story reminds me of how much we fool ourselves sometimes. You know, we may pray, we may uh, um, read the Bible all the time, study the Bible. We may even meet as small groups, right? We think we're obedient sometimes when we're maybe not. You know, just because you read the Bible doesn't mean you're obedient in what it says. Because you have to do something. And, you know, the brother of Christ said, James, said, faith without deeds is dead. Now, Paul said that, um, for it is by grace you are saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. So we're not saved by what we do. We're not saved by the things that we do. But grace is a free gift. It's a free gift. And when you get that gift, your action should be a reflection of the thankfulness for that gift. So James is right. Our actions should reflect our faith. Just a side note, could you imagine being the brother of Jesus? Why can't you be more like your brother James? Jesus eats all his peas. Jesus doesn't talk back. Sorry, I got a little bit uh, sidetracked. Wouldn't it be easier if there was a recipe that we could follow, that we could just actually plaster up on our refrigerator? You know how those great recipes that you have, you put it up on the rest, you know, on the refrigerator, and you always know what it is, you know exactly how to make things. Wouldn't it be awesome if we could do that? Well, hopefully today we can go into this uh, incredible verse, and you can walk away with a recipe that you can plaster on your refrigerator and remind yourself of what you need and what we all need to actually live a godly life. Um, before we get into um, our verse, I do want to say Happy Father's Day to everyone who's here. And, um, you know, uh, my father died when I was 15, but every Father's Day is so special for me because it reminds me of what I did get in those 15 years, not the 30-some years that he's been gone, but what I did get in those 15 years. So uh, be thankful for, for fathers that aren't here anymore, but also the fathers that are in the room. So if you have a Bible, take it out. If you have a Bible app, take it out. Um, if you don't, we're going to put it on the screen. So, um, But the verse we're going to talk about today is Second Peter chapter 1 through 8. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness, through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness, and to goodness, knowledge, and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Wow. So over the next two hours, we're going to go ahead and decipher this verse. No, I'm just kidding. It'll be an hour and a half. I swear. So um, when I was a kid, uh, I remember one Mother's Day. I know it's Father's Day, but it was a Mother's Day. And... Um, I remember getting up early. I think I was maybe 10 or 11, 
and I was just old enough to know how to use a stove, but probably shouldn't be. And so I snuck downstairs in the morning and I made pancakes for my mother. You know, pancakes can be messy, right? You got flour, you got everything's just everywhere. But I did it. I put it in the bowl and I made it up and put it in the pan, cooked it, golden brown, it was gorgeous. I was pretty proud of myself. And then I put it on a plate and I took it up to my mother and gave her breakfast in bed with some syrup, right? She took one bite and I thought she was going to throw up. The look on her face was she was going to throw up. I had replaced salt instead of sugar. And anybody that's done any baking knows how horrible that can taste. But it just goes to show that, you know, the ingredients are important, right? So the first thing we read in this verse is that God has given us everything we need. And Peter was very specific in the past tense. Has given. He's already given it to us. We have it already. He goes on to say, for this very reason. And what reason is that? For what the reason is, I already gave it to you. I already gave you the love of Christ. I already gave you the gift of, of, uh, of salvation, of grace. I've given you all that. And for that reason, make every effort. Which just means it's going to take some work on our part. I've given it to you. Now make every effort. The godly life, if we want it, is going to take some work. So make every effort to add to your faith. So faith's the foundation, right? Faith is the foundation. And the author of Hebrews defines faith as now faith is confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. What is it you hope for? What do you hope for? The hope that the Hebrews author is talking about is the hope of the world, Jesus Christ, the gift of grace that's been given to us through Jesus Christ. That's our hope. How much more confident can you be? But what is your hope? Is it in a better paying job? Is it in a better relationship? Is it in better health? What's your hope in? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that those who believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. That's hope. That's hope. God says it. He means it. What about assurance you can't see? Well, I mean, you, can, you can't see wind, but we're assured that if something blows hard enough, it's going down, right? We see what happens from wind. Can't see it, but we see the effects of it. Well, the same thing happens with God. You know, we might not see God, but we see the effects of God. If we see a sunset, you see God. You see a baby, you see God. You see transformation, you see God. Everybody that's been changed by Jesus Christ is a miracle. When we place our faith in Christ... We're now ready to grow spiritually, okay? So we're ready to grow spiritually. From that, we add to our faith goodness. So what is goodness, right? Um, Well, in Mark, Jesus said, why do you call me good? Jesus answered. And then no one is good except God alone. No one is good except God alone. Well, that kind of goes a little contrary to what we think, right? We say good all the time. That guy's good, and that, guy, that person's good. No one is good except God alone. The goodness we talk about is the goodness that we all have as believers in Jesus Christ that lives in us. That's the goodness we have. The Holy Spirit, Jesus living in you, gives you everything you need to be good. It's a small voice that you may hear, the nudge you get, when you're thinking about something. It's the conviction you may feel when you're probably about to do the wrong thing. That's the goodness that lives in you. You need to listen to it. It's our conscience. It's our conscience. Our our goodness should be centered on God. It maintains our right and wrong, our values, our virtues, 
our morals. You see, we should be thermostats, not thermometers. I don't know if you've ever heard that before. Thermostats, you set the, you set the temperature, and it doesn't matter what's going on around you, it stays on that temperature. When you have the goodness of God leading your life and living inside your heart, you have a thermostat set on what is good. When we allow the world to determine what's good, believe me, we become thermometers. Because when the heat comes on, your thermometer is going to change. When the cold and dark times come, man, that thermometer is going to drop. But the thermostat stays the same. We need to be thermostats. <clears throat> we add to our goodness knowledge. Knowledge is right here. It's the Word of God. This is your knowledge. Know it, live it, breathe it. Now that you know that you have a conscience and you're moving in the right path, we add to it the knowledge of God. The Bible teaches us about a godly life. Without knowledge, how do we know what to do? Right? Without directions, how do you know how to put that thing together? You don't. You need the knowledge. Proverbs 2 states, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. God's word comes from his mouth. Knowledge and understanding come from this book. If you're not in it, if you're not reading it, if you're not living it, you're missing some knowledge. You're missing what God has to offer. We add self-control to this. And Proverbs says, like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. I think that's a pretty good visual. Self-control is what protects us from the world. It protects us from sin. It actually protects us from ourselves. Willpower without God is impossible. If you ever tried a diet, I've tried many diets, believe me. I've lost 10 pounds just to find out three months later I just gained 15 back. Anybody attest to that? Amen. Your willpower alone is not going to change you. You have to mix God in. You have to mix God in. Your willpower alone won't do it. Self-control helps us make wise decisions. Wise decisions. We don't always make wise decisions, do we? We do not always make wise decisions. Amen. And sometimes we find that other people don't make wise decisions around us, and it hurts us. We hurt others. They hurt us. It gets messy. We find ourselves in difficult circumstances. Could be a job. Could be a relationship. Could be money. Could be health. You name it. But because of that, we need to persevere. Perseverance. You know, I, when I was nine years old, my, I told you my father died when I was 15. And um, he taught me a lot in those 15 years. Well, one of the things was when I was nine years old, I started playing baseball. And my dad had taught me how to catch a baseball and how to throw a baseball and how to play and how to bat. Um, but this was my first team, my first team I ever got on in baseball. And um, I was nine, scared. But my dad was the coach, so I was cool. I was the coach's kid, you know. So the um, <clears throat> first time I got up to bat, I got up there. I was confident. And this guy threw a pitch, and it came right at me. And when it came right at me, I turned like this, and it hit me straight in the back. Have you ever been hit by a baseball straight in the back? Let me tell you, it is painful, painful. Tears came to my eyes. I was uh, a little bit out of breath. I was not happy for my first uh, time at bat. So I'm like, okay, I can do this. I'll get back up to bat. So the next time comes around, and um, I did the same thing, and I got up there, and, I, and the pitch came right at me again, turned around and hit me in the back. I, I was crying. I was so upset. I mean, I was literally done. You know, I felt a sense of sadness. I felt a sense of defeated. And I was dreading getting back up to, to bat again. 
And I remember everything in me wanted to quit. I, I remember that feeling so well. I wanted to quit. And my dad, he took me aside and he, he said, uh, put his arm around me. And he said, uh, he said, I believe in you. But if it happens again, I'm not going to make you bad again. So I got up for the third time. And he did throw it kind of close to me, towards me. But I took a step forward and it went behind me. And I was proud. I was like, okay, I didn't get hit. The next pitch, I hit out in the left field. And my baseball career went crazy from then on. I'm sure there's plenty of you sitting here today that are ready to quit. And to persevere, you have to realize no matter where you are in your life, no matter what you're going through, and no matter what you're trying to persevere, God's sitting right there. He's got his arm around you and he says, I believe in you. Don't quit. The next ingredient is godliness. What is godliness? It's kind of a churchy word, right? Godliness. Sounds good. Um, but what exactly is it? Well, I've heard it several ways. Uh, I'm living a godly life. Kind of general. Christ-like. Okay. But my favorite description is a guy in the Old Testament called Enoch. And Enoch was described several times throughout his life um, in terms of how he had a, you know, how he was with God or his godliness. It said Enoch walked with God. It said Enoch enjoyed a relationship with God. And the third thing they said was Enoch pleased God. So I think that's a pretty cool way of describing godliness because all three of those are choices. He chose to walk with God. He chose to have a relationship with God. And he chose to please God. See, godliness is choosing God above all other things. That's godliness. The next ingredient is um, brotherly love or mutual affection. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. And John, 1 John 4 says, Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. See, this isn't just your best friends. These are your enemies. These are the people that you don't want to love. This is a kind of love you can't do on your own. This is a forgiveness that only God can help you with. You can't love like this without him. The last thing is um, love. The last virtue is love. Now this isn't the eros love, the romantic love. This is the agape love. This is the unconditional love that God gives us. This is a love that takes choice. This isn't a love that just happens. This is, a, this is a love you choose. Once you've reached this stage of love and understanding, you know, you have trust, you have mercy, you have grace, you have perseverance. You clearly can see the purpose God has for you, and it's to be with you. So why are we talking about this? What is it? Why? Why do this? Well, luckily, Peter cleared that up for us in verse 8 and 8 through 10, or 8 through 11. He said, for if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, 
they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of God, of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort to confirm your calling and election, for if you do these things, you will never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So doing these things does several things for us. It keeps us close to Christ and the knowledge and wisdom that he gives you. He gives to you to make wise decisions. Keeps you thinking externally and not internally. So you're not thinking temporary, you're thinking eternally. Keeps your eyes open for God's purposes and plans. It will help you to never stumble. Who, do, who doesn't want to not stumble? Right? But the best thing is it's, the doing these things gives us a rich welcome into God's arms. No matter what goes on in this life, doesn't matter. This isn't just about this life. This is about where are you going? When you're done with this life and you're standing in front of Jesus, you want him to look at you and look at that list and say, wow, you did it. Rich welcome into God's arms. <clears throat> I think it's important to realize that this recipe is pretty delicious. But it's not easy. It's not an easy recipe. I think also Peter, who was kind of a messy guy anyways, he listed them up and down, but really you could look at this in a different way. You could look at it circular, and you could say that things pile on each other and, and kind of work towards each other. And if you can do all these things, you just build your faith more, and it keeps on going. Because if you've, anybody here has ever done a recipe before, made a cake or made cookies, the first time you did the recipe, did it turn out very well? For me, no. Believe me, it takes a while. You got to keep doing it. You got to keep trying. You got to keep moving. But keep in mind that faith is where it starts. Faith is where it starts because faith is the gift of grace in Jesus Christ. Faith is a gift. Everything else is our reaction to that gift. What do you do with it? What do you do with the gift that God's given you? Some of you may not be there yet. Some of you may be seeking. Some of you may not have that belief yet. But that's okay because Jesus didn't say right away, believe. He said, follow me. Follow me. You're here today. You're following. Just keep coming. It'll come. Some of you may be stuck in perseverance. I know many people get stuck there. You know, it's hard. It's hard when you're sitting there and, you're, and things aren't going your way and you want to get things done and your children are not doing what you want them to do or your relationships aren't working or your job is terrible or your health is bad. You got to persevere. You got to know that God is looking out for you and he says, I believe in you. Don't quit. Some of you are stuck in uh, mutual affection, forgiveness. You can't know the love that God has for you when you're stuck in unforgiveness. You can't know it. You can't get there. But God will help you. Any one of these things, if you're stuck in it, you got to go to God for it. You got to talk to Him about it. You got to let Him know. He already knows what's going on. So we know the recipes aren't always good the first time. You got to keep trying. The second thing is, it's always better to cook with someone else, isn't it? At least some, some people. Some bossy people you probably don't like to cook with, but, 
But in general, it's fun to be in the kitchen together. You need people to help you with it, to get it right. Look, God has given us every ingredient. That's a promise. He's given us every ingredient to do this. If I walked down in my kitchen every morning and all I saw was the ingredients sitting out for making a cake, and I kept walking by it and just walking by it and walking by it and walking by it, do you think a cake will be made? It won't. God gives you the ingredients. You have to make a choice to do something with it. You have to take the step to do something with it. I have to take the step to do something with it. So go out and make some good cake. Let me pray. Holy Father, thank you so much for everything you do for us, Lord. You are an amazing God. You do give us everything we need, Lord. And we stumble, and we fall, and we have to remember to just get back up and do it again. And God, we may never get it right, but by trying and doing what we can, you will welcome us richly in your arms when all this life is over. We thank you for that. We especially thank you for your son, Jesus. Without him, we are nothing. Now we pray this all in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and all of connection said, Amen. We invite you to stand and join us for this last song. Just know the steps are open and if for prayer. And if you want someone to pray with you, we've got prayer warriors back in the corner who would love to help you out. Well, I've heard a thousand stories. Because you call me So there's this couple, <clears throat> been married 15, 20 years, and modest income, don't get a lot of vacations, and they, um, they came across a friend that said that they could use their timeshare for two weeks in Aruba, and they were like, yeah, heck yeah, we're going. So they, uh, they started planning the trip, and the first thing they thought about was, what are we going to do with the house? Two weeks, we got a lot of things to, got to get, get taken care of. So um, they... Uh, the wife started writing down in detail everything that needed to be done. And they found a person that would, uh, a couple that would actually watch the house for them. So she started writing all the details down. She started with the, the garbage, okay? So you have on Tuesdays and Thursdays regular garbage, but on Fridays you have recyclable garbage. We only keep our greens and our blues on the right side of the house, and, and the rest of the garbage goes inside the garage. So very meticulous in terms of what she wrote down. And then we talk about her plants. She has plants that sit in the front of the house. She has plants that sit in the back of the house. The back of the house gets watered at night. The ones in the front get watered during the day. And there are all kinds of different plants. So some plants get more water than others. Some plants don't get watered at all. Um, they have two dogs, two cats, and a lizard. So the two dogs need to be walked three times a day. They need to be fed. One of the dogs has diabetes, so it has to get uh, insulin shots. 
and two cats, they're on their own. They pretty much live on their own. Um, and then the lizard has to get special food once a day. And so she wrote all of this down. I mean, to the T, like the dates or the times and which day, how to do it. She wrote like pictures and she did little maps. It was pretty amazing. And so the couple came over to watch the house and she had it nice and bindered and everything, gave it to them and they, uh, they started reading it. Uh, and the, the couple went on their vacation. They started reading it and the husband and wife sat down and said, wow, this is incredible. You know, we've watched houses before. We've never gotten this kind of detail. This is just incredible. It has pictures. It has words. They liked it so much that they actually started highlighting pieces of it so that they wouldn't forget, you know? So, you know, the diabetes, you got to get certain times a day. You have to give this shot to the dog. You better highlight it. Uh, the wife was so into it and so uh, uh, enthralled by it that she uh, she memorized parts of it. So she she memorized exactly when it was going to, take place when they had to do the shots, when they had to get fed, when they had to get walked. Um, they were so enthralled by this detail that they invited friends over to see it. They actually had friends come over and they were like taking a look at it and showing them how, you know, all this detail and the pictures and everything. And at the end of the night, they would actually pray over it. Um, so they were, they were incredible. So <clears throat> the, the two weeks are up and the couple comes back and they drive into the, uh, neighborhood and the first thing they notice is that there's trash all over their house the trash cans are toppled over there's trash in the front yard there's trash blowing in the street they're like this isn't good so they drive in they go in the house every plant's dead every plant is dead so they look around and they look out back and it's a pet cemetery literally all the, all the, all animals are dead How often do we do the same thing? We highlight, we memorize, but do we do it? They didn't do it. They knew it, they loved it, they memorized it, they prayed about it. They didn't do it. I know it's an extreme example, but you know, following Jesus can be difficult. It can be messy. It can be tough. We strive to do all the right things, but we fall short a lot. Well, today, hopefully, I'm going to help us a little bit in um, talking a little bit of God's Word in terms of a recipe, a recipe of virtues and characters that, that can help us navigate this thing we call life. <clears throat> My name is Bill Trench, for those of you who don't know. I'm one of the lay leaders here at Connection Church, and um, normally I'm standing over here singing, but uh, once in a while they let me stand in the middle stage. Um, but uh, I am really humbled to be able to bring this message to you today. I, I really am uh, grateful for the opportunity to talk. Um, but let's pray. Holy Father, uh, thank you so much for the words you've given me today. May they be a blessing to those who hear it. May hearts be open. May hearts be changed. May people walk out of here different because of you, Lord, because of your spirit and your kindness and your love. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So, doesn't this story remind you of how foolish we are sometimes? I mean, we fool ourselves. We, we may read the Bible. We mem memorize verses. We may... Um, gather in small groups and talk about the things that we should be doing and then we walk away and we don't do a thing. We talk about it. Well, Jesus' brother had something to say about that. His brother's James and he wrote, Faith without deeds is dead. Now, Paul also wrote, the Apostle Paul also wrote, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. So we're not saved through what we do. We're not saved by the things we do. We're saved because it's a gift. <clears throat> but with that gift, and the belief in that gift, that Jesus Christ died for you, Jesus Christ rose for you, defeated death, so you didn't have to deal with it, 
You didn't have to deal with your sins. He's forgiven all of them. Because we believe in that, shouldn't our actions reflect it? Shouldn't our actions reflect the thanksgiving we have for that gift? That's what James is talking about, and he's right. Just a side note. Could you imagine being the brother of Jesus? Could you imagine it? Why can't you be more like Jesus? He eats all his peas. He never talks back. He's always nice. I got a little sidetracked. All right. So wouldn't it be easier if we had a recipe? A recipe we could actually take and put on our refrigerator and look at every day and know, okay, if I do these things, I'm good. It'll be great. I'll live a godly life. Wouldn't it be great to have that? Well, hopefully today we're going to look at God's Word, and God's Word is going to help us to um, make that recipe, basically, because we need these things to be godly. So before we start into this first, I, I do want to say um, Happy Father's Day for those fathers that are in the room. I know that uh, my father died when I was 16, so it's been a long time, but I think about him often, and I definitely think about him on Father's Day. Um, but he was a great father, had him for 15 years, so I have a lot to, to be grateful for. But I do want to say a Happy Father's Day to those fathers that are in the room, and for those fathers that are passed away and that you're thinking about today. So. Um, so if you take out your Bibles or you take out your Bible app, or we're going to show you on the screen, um, we're going to talk about 2 Peter. 2 Peter chapter 1 through 8. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who through the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ have received a faith as precious as ours, grace and peace be yours in abundance through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who calls us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge, self-control, and to self-control, perseverance, and to perseverance, godliness, and to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. So this is what we're going to talk about over the next two hours. Um, no, no, actually, it's going to be an hour and a half. But um, <clears throat> So we're going to break down this recipe here. So when I was a kid probably around 10 years old, I, um, it was Mother's Day, and I decided that uh, I was going to surprise my mom. And I was old enough to use the stove, but probably shouldn't have been doing it on my own. But um, So I went downstairs and I said, I'm going to make pancakes for my mom. I was, I, was, I was into it. I had stuff everywhere. Let me tell you, there was just everything was all over the place. But I tell you what, I made the best pancakes in the world. Those things were beautiful. They were brown, gorgeous. I mean, they were fluffy. I put them on a plate. I took some syrup with me. I took them upstairs to my mother in bed, gave her breakfast in bed, and then she poured some syrup on it, cut them a little bit, took one bite. I thought she was going to puke. Of course, I used salt instead of sugar. Anybody that's baked and ever done that can attest to the fact that how horrible that tastes. But it goes to show a recipe is only as good as the ingredients you put in it. You know? It's messy. But in this verse, God says, or uh, Peter says, God gives us everything we need to complete a godly life. Everything is given to us. And you notice that Peter speaks in past tense. Has given. We already got it. We already have everything we need. The question is, what do you do with it? And then he goes on to say, for this very reason. So what's the reason? The reason is that he's given us 
salvation. He's given us the gift of grace, which is Jesus Christ. He's given us an everlasting life. He's given that to us. That's a gift through faith. He's given us every ingredient we need to live a godly life. And for that reason, make every effort. Just a fancy way of saying it's going to be a lot of work. Make every effort means that we have to do the work. God gives you the ingredients. We have to do the work. Just like the story we started out with today. You're given all the ingredients. You're given a great directions. You were given everything you needed to do this right. You didn't do it. So God gives us everything we need. We have to make every effort to add to our faith. So faith is the foundation, right? Faith, the authors of Hebrew, author of Hebrews says, now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So what do you hope for? What are you hoping for? Better job? Better relationship? Better health? Well, the author of Hebrews is not talking about that. The author of Hebrews is talking about the hope and the gift of grace in Jesus Christ. He is our only hope. He's our only hope. So how confident are you in the hope that you have? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that those who believed in him would not perish but have eternal life. That's my hope. And God says that he means it. What about assurance that you can't see? What is assurance that you can't see? Well, I know that I can't see wind, right? You can't see any wind, but I definitely see what wind can do. I've seen wind blow trees down. I've seen wind make a mess. Um, so you know it's doing something, right? Same thing with God. You can't see God, but you can see a sunset. You can see a, a baby being born. You can see people's lives change. That's God. You can see God. All you have to do is look for it. And you can be assured that he's there. Faith is a gift. When we place our faith in Christ, we're now ready to grow. Okay? We place our faith in Christ. We're ready to grow spiritually. We add to our faith godly or goodness, sorry. We add to our faith goodness. Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. This goodness that we're talking about is the Holy Spirit that lives inside you. When you take Jesus as your Savior, he comes and lives in you. When he lives in you, you have the goodness that Jesus is talking about there. You have it. That's the goodness that whispers to you, nudges you, tells you maybe that, eh, you shouldn't do that. Your little conscience, right? It's our conscience. That's the Holy Spirit living in you, telling you what to do, what's good, what's wrong, what's right. We need to listen to that. So, I don't know if you've heard this before, but we need to be thermostats, not thermometers. Okay, with the, the Spirit of God living in your heart, you know what's good. You know what's right. You need to stick to it, like a thermostat. You set the thermostat at 72 and it stays there, right? If it goes a little lower, it comes back up. If it goes a little higher, it comes back down. It stays there. That's what God does. He puts the goodness in your heart. You know what good is. But you need to be a thermostat. You need to stay there. Because guess what? If you're not a thermostat, when it gets cold and it gets dark and things aren't going your way, the thermometer will drop. It gets hot. You want to quit? Tired? Thermostat goes up. Or uh, thermometer goes up. Thermostat doesn't. stays constant. That's what we need to be. Thermostats. We add to our goodness knowledge. Knowledge is the word of God. Okay? 
now that we believe we're moving towards a more virtuous life and that we have the Holy Spirit living in us, we need to add to that. We need to add to that abundantly in the Word of God. This is knowledge. It teaches us everything we need to know in life. Without knowledge, what, how do we know what to do? How do we know what to do without knowledge? We'll listen to something else if we don't listen to this. I can tell you that. Proverbs 2 states, For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. The Lord gives wisdom. It's a gift. He gives it to us. And from that wisdom comes his mouth, which is his word. Right here. Next thing we add is self-control. In Proverbs 16, it's, it states, Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. I love that visual because self-control protects us like a wall. Self-control protects us from sin. It protects us from the world. It protects us from ourselves. Self-control. How many of you have tried a diet and it failed? Right? You know why? Because your willpower is not enough. Your willpower without God will fail. You have to have God in that mix. If you don't, you won't make it. Your willpower alone will not do it. Self-control helps us make good decisions, good, wise decisions. We don't always make wise decisions, do we? I know I don't. Sometimes our decisions are bad ones. And maybe we don't listen to self-control and we, we make bad decisions and it, it costs us. It hurts us. Sometimes others make bad decisions. And it costs us and it hurts us. That's where we need perseverance. We need perseverance. When I was, um, when I was nine years old, my dad taught me how to play baseball. He uh, taught me how to throw, taught me how to catch, taught me how to pitch, taught me how to bat. And... Uh, I started playing baseball when I was nine. And luckily, um, my father was my coach, which was pretty awesome. I was the coach's son, got to do whatever I wanted. Um, not really. So I remember when we first started the first game, I, uh, I, got, I went to bat for the first time, nine years old. And uh, I go up to you know take the pitch, and the ball comes right at me. And I turn around like this, and it hits me square in between the shoulder blades. Anybody here ever gotten hit by a ball and square in between the shoulder blades? It is painful. It's probably the most painful spot you can get hit. And it, I mean, knocked the breath out of me, kind of teary-eyed. Uh, it was terrible. It was it was really bad. So I was not happy. It's my first time up to bat. Second time up to bat, same thing happened. Obviously, this pitcher's not very good, but. So I get up to bat, same thing. I turn like this. My, my father pulls me aside afterwards. Of course, I got the first base because I got hit by the ball. But my father pulls me aside, and he goes, look, all you got to do is step forward. Just step forward. You don't have to turn. Just step forward and let the ball go behind you. And I'm like, okay. Um, so I got up to bat the next time. Same thing happened. I turned and got hit again. This time, I got this bruise on my back that's huge. And I'm tears, I'm full of sadness, I am not happy, to tell you the truth, I am not happy, I'm empty inside, I'm like, this is it, I am done. I felt dreaded, I didn't want to go up to bat again, it was horrible. I wanted to quit, everything in me wanted to quit. And I remember my dad pulled me aside, and he put his arm around me. He said, son, I believe in you. But if this happens again, I'm not going to make you go up to bat again. And that's all I needed. I got up the next time, and the, the ball came at me, but I stepped forward and went behind me. 
Second pitch came up, I hit the ball into left field, and I played baseball for 10 years later. I loved it. I loved the game. I'm sure some of you are ready to quit right now. I'm not sure what's going on. I'm not sure what you're going through. But I'm sure some of you are ready to quit. And you just need to know that God will put his arm around you. I'll say, I believe in you. Don't quit. Persevere. The next ingredient is godliness. What is godliness? That's a churchy word, isn't it? Godliness. Um, I've heard it several ways. You know, living a godly life. Uh, Christ-like. But I like uh, my favorite description is a guy in the Old Testament called Enoch. And he was, uh, he was described three different ways in the Old Testament. He was described as Enoch walked with God. Enoch enjoyed a relationship with God. And Enoch pleased God. I love that description. Because all three of those things are choices. He chose to walk with God. He chose to have a relationship with God. He chose to please God. You see, godliness is choosing God above all other things. The next ingredient is brotherly love or what we call mutual affection. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. In 1 John it says, Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. It's a commandment. This isn't a choice we have to make. And this isn't your best friends either. These are your enemies. These are the people that have hurt you. This is about forgiveness. You can't love God unless you love others. That's huge. Loving the way God loves is impossible without God. You can't love like that without God. You can try. And it's easy to love somebody that's really nice to you or a brother or sister that you get along with. It's not so easy when they're not so loving or they don't want to be loved. That's hard. But that's only accomplished through God. You can't do it on your own. And the last thing is love. This isn't the um, eros love, the romantic love. This is the agape love. This is the unconditional love that God gives us. This is the love that's based on choice. God allows us to choose his way, to choose him, to walk with him, to please him. He allows us to choose that but he also allows us not to choose it. Once you've reached this level of love and you've, you've felt it and you know it and you feel it in your heart and you can love unconditionally, you've reached a level where you understand trust, you understand grace, you understand mercy, and you've been through it, you've persevered. <clears throat> and you start to see clearly what God's purpose has been all along to be with you. Great list. Great recipe. What are we supposed to do with it? What, is this, what does this mean? What, is, what am I supposed to do with that? 
Well, luckily, Peter gave us verses 8 through 11, which kind of explain it for us. He says, For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, make every effort. There's that word again, make every effort. It means work to confirm your calling and election, your purpose. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. And you will receive a rich welcome into the eternal kingdom of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's big. So I made a list of five things. If you work at these things, number one will keep you close to Christ and the knowledge and wisdom he gives you to make wise decisions. Decisions. Life is all about decisions. Keeps you thinking externally and not internally. So keeps you thinking eternal and not temporary. Thinking eternal, not temporary. It keeps your eyes open for God's purpose and plans. You don't want to be nearsighted and blind, do we? Nearsighted is a person that thinks about right now, right here, this is it, temporary. Blind is blind. If you, if you don't believe in these things, you're blind. You will never stumble. Who here doesn't want that promise? Who here has stumbled? Everyone stumbled. It's not fun. And a rich welcome into God's arms. See, this isn't about just this life, okay? This recipe is just not about this life. This is about when you get done with this life and you're standing in front of Jesus, and he can look at you and he can say, wow, you've done a great job. And he wraps his arms around you. He says, thank you. That's a rich welcome into God's arms. Don't you want that? This is a, it's an important recipe. It's a delicious recipe if you ask me. But it's not easy to make. It's not easy to make that recipe. And I think Peter, he put it in a line. He basically said, add this to this and this to that and this to that. But, you know, Peter was kind of messy himself. So I'm sure at times it's, you know, he could have just thrown them all into one pot. It's not just one after the other. A lot of these virtues and characteristics are very much um, flow together. And you can even look at it from a circular standpoint. You could say one gains to the other and then gains to the other. And, and you, when you reach an agape love level of, of loving someone, it just adds to your faith, which adds, adds to your goodness, which adds to your knowledge. It's just, it just circular. How many people here have made the first time something perfect? I, I've never done it. I've never made a recipe perfect the first time. You have to keep doing it. You have to keep trying. Maybe you're struggling with your faith. That's okay. Jesus, you know, Jesus didn't say you have to believe. He said, follow me. Just follow him. If you're here today, you're already following. Just keep coming. You'll get there. It all starts with faith, though. It all starts with faith. Faith's the gift. The gift of grace of Jesus Christ. That's faith, okay? Believing in that is faith. That's a gift, though. Everything else is our response to the gift. Everything else is a response to that gift. How are you responding to the gift of grace in Jesus Christ? Maybe some of you are stuck in perseverance. I know it's a tough one. When you're in trouble, when you're going through a tough time, when things are tough, let me tell you, that is a tough one. 
to persevere is not easy. And you can't do it alone. You definitely can't do it alone. You have to have God to get through it. Maybe some of you are stuck on mutual affection. Maybe some of you need to forgive. You cannot love God as fully as you can when you can't love others. You can't. Jesus himself said it. Okay? You have to give those things up. You have to forgive if you truly want to feel the full love of God. We mentioned that um, doing this over again, you got to keep doing it. Got to keep doing it. It's not always going to work. The recipes don't work the first time. You got to keep doing it until you get it right. But the other thing is this it's always more fun to cook with someone else. Now, someone's bossy, maybe not, but for most people, it's fun to be in the kitchen together cooking. So, this wasn't meant to be something you did by yourself, okay? This is something that's meant to be done together, brothers and sisters. You know, if I walked downstairs every morning and all I saw were the ingredients for cake and I walked by it every morning, would the cake get made? No, it wouldn't. God has given us every ingredient that we need to live a godly life. But we have to do the work. We have to pick up the book. We have to do the work. We have to care. We have to bless. Don't keep walking by the table with all the ingredients. You got to stop and make the cake. So go make some cake. Let's pray. Holy Father, thank you so much for your words. Thank you so much for what the power that you give us, Lord, through you, through faith, through love, that we can take everything you've given us and make a masterpiece, Lord. You said it, that we are your masterpiece, Lord. We are your masterpiece. Help us to pick up the ingredients that we know we need and to make for you a godly life so that when we do enter heaven and we do see you face to face, you wrap your arms around us and you say, I believed in you because you're my child. Everyone at Connection said, Amen. Thank you for joining us for our podcast. For more information about Connection Community Church in Middletown, Delaware, please visit our website at justshowup.church. You can also call our church offices at 302-378-7692.